Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. And I am so, so excited, although really honoured and looking forward to an amazing conversation with the wonderful Chris Ross. Welcome to the show, Chris. Yay. I'm saying, <laughs> you hear the cheers, right? Or the people throwing banana peels at the screen. But no, I'm honored as well to come on. And anytime I get to share some space with you, it's always a good day. So, oh, thank you. thank you. So for those that don't know Chris, he is the founder of Winjet uh, Studios or winjet.com. Um, he's a phenomenal force in the development of educational platforms and programs and podcasting. And he, uh, his company helps me uh, produce and uh, my podcast is powered by Winjet. So we connected uh, through the through the wonderful Larry Kaufman or LinkedIn. I Larry. forgot about that. Yeah, it was LinkedIn Larry. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> a while ago. And we both have um, very similar stories. Um, to share, I think, or certainly poignant stories to share on the show today, which is all about how can we manage our trauma and grief. And I think it's particularly pertinent, uh, given the um, process that we're going through as a country mm -hmm. um, with the loss of uh, Her Majesty the Queen, Elizabeth II, and the trauma that and grief that people are experiencing, but also for myself, uh, personally, it's coming up to the third anniversary of losing my dad. Um, and so mm -hmm. I know, Chris, you've uh, experienced personal loss as well yourself. So mm -hmm. we've come here to share our stories and share how we've overcome um, our, it, well, you can't really overcome it, how mm -hmm. we've learned to manage uh, the trauma that we've experienced and the grief that has followed from the loss of of loved ones right. um, and we want to share this out to you to really help the audience know that you're not alone in this and that there are ways and means in which you can support yourself chris is there anything you you just want to bring forward from your perspective no thank you um and i'm i can't i know it's kind of one of those topics where you you want to lean into and be excited to to, to address but it's very uncomfortable because, you know, even when we're having a conversation right now, to still be aware that people are tuning in and people have their own experiences and, and understand that, that you're entitled to your own experience. Mm. And it be, it's, it's okay to be where you are, but having an understanding about the stages, or most importantly, grief and mm. coming to acceptance is, is very difficult because, you know, even if you have a path and you have just two different paths, like your path might be this way and then you have your own experience and then you can't just get there, right? You have to go through it. And yeah. And it's a process, isn't it? Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. And, and I'd love, um, before we start, cause we always like to start the show in, in terms of what you're passionate about in life right now. So what, what is it you're, you're super passionate about in life right now? Um, a lot of things. I think probably the most, is being a dad. Um, I'm really enjoying, you know, um, just soaking in as much time as possible, but um, I can't really go into all detail with it, but um, that's probably the most, where I'm most passionate. And also just being passionate about you know, me doing the things that I do. Um, I'm now exploring a lot of different types of opportunities for myself and expanding um, my reach and the people that yeah. I'm connected to, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just enjoying my life as much as possible. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know, I'm really pleased you mentioned the word dad because I noticed you you choked up a bit then when you said it out loud. And you know, our for everybody, our time on earth is really limited, and having that opportunity to really um, have that gift of being a, a parent, which unfortunately not everyone has that that right. opportunity to be, is is really um, one that is to be cherished because it's the most important job in the world. It is. It is. Um, um, it is. It's difficult because, you know, most people, you know, maybe they don't have that um, opportunity. And when you are blessed with a, a child um, that's healthy and mentally, spiritually and everything, and you're able to kind of help mold or at least provide resources and, you know, mm -hmm. try to help them grow up as best way they can. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like I lose nothing else around me is going, like, it could be the world ending and I wouldn't know it when I'm, you know, obviously sitting down and having you know time with my daughter but yeah other than that can't really go into too much detail but yeah it's it's a it's a very it's a blessing for sure well i think it's great that we now you know both of us have that quality time don't we mm -hmm. that you can cherish um with 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 your with our children mm -hmm. um and we're not we're not always blessed with that um mm -hmm. and when you do get it you realize how important it is um and it's important that we acknowledge that quality time because so many people take it for granted. No, they do. I mean, uh, then, especially when people get to a certain, away. right. And I think when certain people don't need to cut you off, but certain people get to a certain status or in their life, or they might be an entrepreneur. It could be they're working a you know full-time job um, somewhere and they're trading time for money, whatever they do for a living. Um, and you kind of get to the point to where you're reactive at life and you get into yeah. a routine and you're not spending that quality time. I know for myself, my, my dad worked two jobs pretty much his whole life. Um, not because of the fact that they didn't have any money. It's just that childcare back then was very, it was expensive, like especially insurance. My older sister was handicapped and she had complications when she was being born my mom. And so he had to work double to be able to pay for, you know, that yeah. type of level of insurance. Cause you know, the UK is different, you know, here mm -hmm. um, you have healthcare that is provided for you NHS. Well, that's not the yeah. case in the States. You have to pay for that. And yeah, and if you don't have great insurance, then you are left in a in a really difficult situation. So I remember my dad working as much as he was. I didn't get the you know obviously the attention from him. Granted, I had great grandparents that lived right next door, and that really helped. So yeah, you know, but just being present and spending as much time as possible. Yeah, and I know we we can really lose that network, don't we? You know, in today's society, mm -hmm. we think that everything can you know we put everything on our shoulders yes uh, as parents and um, that we're the sole person responsible for providing we don't have that tribe around us that we would have done historically mm -hmm. um to 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 take the burden off the parent or the parents depending on how many children there are on and there's, and there's personal circumstances and that can be really difficult for people mm -hmm. um and i know before we started i think i'd love to dive into that sense of identity but um before we dive into how to manage trauma and grief and um, and what it means in terms of losing um someone or something um i'd love to know for you in the context of your life's journey what does optimal brain health mean for you personally understanding what is true and what is an illusion And it was funny. I thought I was gonna make it out this the episode without you asking me that question. Um, <laughs> obviously, producing your show and being around your show, just the first question. But no one's ever asked me that question.
<laughs> I've always would have asked myself, like, how would I answer that question? But, um, but understanding what is true and what is an illusion, you have to increase your awareness and yeah. understanding what has been projected. Why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. What, where did I learn this information? What opinions that I maybe have latched onto because my affection for the person it's mm-hmm. not true. It's an illusion. So what is an illusion? I mean, kind of t- dives into the human mind. And this is one of the things and I you can't see in this office right now, but it's a big picture of a human mind. You know what I mean? A brain. Um, because I, I started to immerse myself into understanding because I was under, not understanding how do I know what I know on the levels that I know just intuitively. Yeah. Energy is you know my thing. I read energy fluently. But understanding true and illusion, you have to go into the human mind seeking existence is, you know, it's difficult because it's all contradiction and nonsense if you're thinking. But if you're being, that's a completely different type of way. So if you're just being, you're being just present and understanding what's happening. But if most people don't know how to articulate their emotions. Yeah. Especially children. Right. And that's one of the things that I love about your story. And obviously um, the havening with Lily stuff, that's just phenomenal. Even when I, still to this day from my journey, obviously with you and some of the things you helped me on with with some trauma. And I I still do it to this day when I'm having an emotional charge, especially a negative reaction or something very, or it's giving me a lot of certain feelings of grief or obviously trauma. I start havening myself. Yeah. It's my way of coping. Yeah. And, and re-triggering that type of emotion. But optimal brain help to me is understanding truth and illusion. Do you know, I love that. So I don't think anybody said that, but it's such an important point, isn't it? Because, because what we understand to be the truth is based on our life experiences mm-hmm. and, and how what we've chosen to learn mm-hmm. and what we've chosen not to learn, how we view a situation which our view of a situation is based on our perspective Mm -hmm. in that situation so so for example we can all be uh all be in a traumatic event but how we perceive that event Mm -hmm. the truth um, will be dependent on our life experience Mm -hmm. and if we've had any experiences of previous events uh, and also how we choose to interpret it. Yes. So so there's such a complex aspect to what is truth. Mm-hmm. And there's also such a complex aspect to what is illusion in the context of our brain health, what, it, what isn't true. Mm-hmm. And how do we disentangle that in the context of moving forward in life with truth? And living our own truth versus living a life where we uh, a lie, mm-hmm. basically. Hundred um, percent. And I, I love that with the way that you broke it down for the listeners, and I hope they really grasp the concept on how complex it is. And there's no right or wrong answer. No. Because every day it changes. Like the world's evolving right now as we're on this recording, as we're sharing some of our experiences. Our heightened emotions you you get to a certain point in understanding what is even an emotion in the first place is energy and motion but it's based on your you know obviously your experiences and all your experience you've had in life and even sometimes experiences that you've observed from other people of going holy crap this isn't 
my experience. Why do I feel this way? But that ask, that's the most offensive question you can ask anyone is why. And then wait for the response. But if you have to get be alone in your own thoughts, to actually understand to navigate through these type of, un, I guess, uncharted waters that you don't really want to navigate through. It's just yeah. like when people are in painful situations, they just want to stop the pain. Yeah. That's not, you can't do that. And you actually you can make it worse it. and stop it. Right. But sometimes you have to be able to be willing and be um, courageous enough to lean into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's where, I mean, I know a lot of, it's not easy said or done, right? When you're in a painful situation, because you, you can go into avoidance and you try to avoid those type of situations and not putting yourself into it. And then you think you're avoiding it, but you're really not. Because my mom said this to me a long, long time ago. So what you run away from will end up finding you at the worst moment. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I like to think of, you know, uh, I want to draw on this piece of emotion because it's such a, a fundamental part of how we show up and, and mm -hmm. what guides us in life is our emotions drive our behaviours. Uh, our emotions are dri driven by our thoughts mm -hmm. and by our past experiences. And, and, and ultimately, that emotions are a signal. And I love that you mentioned it's energy and motion. Um, but they're a signal for us to move towards something. Yes. Or they're a signal for us to move away from something. Uh, and it, it, it can be different for, for, for everybody. And they have different level of charge or a different level of energy. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to think that we all live in an ocean of emotion. So we're all sailing on an ocean of emotion and uh, and how we sail and navigate our way will depend on the tools that we get given. Mm -hmm. And when you mentioned that people try to ignore emotions, it's like they go down into the depths of the ship yes. in the hope that the emotion will go away. But that wave of emotion still exists. But now you become a victim to the waves because you're mm -hmm. not steering your ship. Right, you, you, and, and your ship will get thrown around, and depending on the size of your ship, i.e., the the level of emotion, you're not in control. Yeah, and you right. could capsize, which is often what happens. And the more you ignore the waves of emotion mm. in, in the sea, in the, or the ocean of emotion, the more you are at mercy of the of the sea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anticipating the actual the current, but this is difficult. See, you know, I love that your analogy on this because you know me, I'm prior navy, so. <laughs> and, and, and I was actually a master helmsman, so I'll be guided driving a ship, but and being in control. But if you think you're in control, but you're not in control, the, the main thing is understanding and, and being so present where you're relaxed and you're allowing it to come to you. And that's a, that's a power. Yeah. And you can, and, and some, I was actually talking about this um, with Steve Sims. This guy came on to and show you, obviously he's worked with Elon Musk, all these people, but he's a phenomenal guy. Um, and I was talking to him about it. He goes, how do you are able to operate in the chaos? I said, dude, I think it's probably by prior military with mm -hmm. me is because I can operate. They, that's why they train into your eyes bleed is because yeah. they want to make sure that you're tapped in so far ingrained in your subconscious mind. You're not going to flinch yeah. when you're, when you get in that moment, but you have to be able, I can handle chaos because I'm built for chaos and chaotic moments. Yeah. But I, so I could take a little bit more pressure from the external because I know that if I, as long as I stay true and hold fast, I'm going to blaze through it Yeah. in my ability. But it's a very difficult situation in understanding that type of emotional charge and being in a season. I love the way you, you analogized it, this and coined it. 
and being in those type of moments and not knowing where you're getting hit, that's a difficult situation. Yeah, really hard. And the more time you spend deep down in the depths of the ship or your boat, mm-hmm. and the less time you spend out on, on, on deck, mm-hmm. you know, navigating your ship and, uh, and reading the ocean, reading mm-hmm. the waves that are coming towards you or coming behind you, um, the less the less you are able to manage that journey and the more you are going to be a victim mm-hmm. of the emotions that you experience. Uh, well, at- being a victim is a choice. Yeah. You choose that. Mm-hmm. I- I'm just not going to sit around and point fingers and blame, start shaming and blaming situations. On You have to look at sometimes your inactions, some of the things that have led you up to make that type of decision or indecision. And then looking at some of the decisions that were projected onto you or some of the people that actually hurt you or harmed you and looking at their situation, you don't know the depths of the you know severity of the situation that put them in that moment. Maybe they didn't choose to do it on purpose, but it, it, it happens. Mm. And I, and I look at sometimes you're looking at grief and you don't understand that some days you'll be in acceptance and some days you'll be in denial. Yeah, or you could be in this. You could go through all of those on the same in, in the same hour, okay? Same- <laughs> <laughs> because there's no end. There's no end to it. There's no end. Yeah. And it gets, I mean, you can get angry. I mean, you can try to bargain. Or you do. If I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'll do that. You start getting into depression, and then if whatever you where you are in the cycle. Um, it, you have to, and that's what I was saying about what is true and what is an illusion, because that's what's helped me. Yeah. Is start dissecting every piece of that. I'm an overthinker. I think most entrepreneurs are. I'm an overthinker. <laughs> and the worst thing for me is silence. Okay. And what I mean by silence is not enough data. Yeah. To break down or not enough information. When someone's not as you know communicating to me, I can be in my own head. And when you're in your own head, you're dead. Yeah. And I think that that communication piece is so important, but we don't have to communicate verbally. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so many different ways in which we can communicate our um, struggles or our experiences that that doesn't require verbal communication. And that, you know, that's why havening can be so powerful in terms of managing the grief and managing any trauma or managing any emotions because Mm -hmm. you can manage it and you're in control of it. Right without having to talk about it and actually talking about it can be super difficult for many people but you know as we started this conversation when you mentioned being a dad um i could hear there was a bit of a a, a choke in your voice yeah. when you mentioned it because you haven't talked probably talked about it or maybe thought about it but from a passion perspective mm-hmm. um and, and that's okay <laughs> you know it's mm-hmm. okay to not be able to talk about it that's okay and and expecting um to have to talk about it to heal from it mm-hmm. is not okay it's not right. okay because you don't have to because i've tapped into something that i never thought i would ever tap into mm-hmm. it's like you, you'd end up discovering yourself through trauma and grief you discover who you really are mm-hmm. and then you become really unapologetic about expressing who you really are because you know how you're built and how you're wired you know mm-hmm. i believe everybody has an opportunity to really discover like optimal level of potential for themselves. 
and when you stop, and this is just from my experience, I learned through this process, I stopped being what the world was telling me to be. And I started to, to really express myself in different ways. And I tapped into something that I think that I don't think I was be able to do it, you know? And I think that, you know, as I can't remember who said this, one day you'll end up meeting the version on who you should have become. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is. I've never died. I mean, I don't think <laughs> you know what I mean. So, um, no, I think you do end up finding that person that who who you, who you who you want to become or who you you know. I think we grow into that person mm-hmm. that we want to be, but only if we take the time to understand who we are. Yeah, but do you think about think about? I mean, as in for the majority of people, don't ever have an opportunity to do that because they're. They're waiting for the perfect time to build a business. They're waiting for the perfect time to launch a show. They're waiting for a perfect time to have children. They're waiting for a perfect time to, you know, I don't know, write the book that they want to write. I mean, there's, I, there, there's so many stories. And that's what obviously led me to building Winjet because most people don't have a platform to be able to share their experiences and sharing their yeah. stories. And that's why I love that. That's why I love this show because it, it gives people an opportunity from their perspective. Yeah. Their understanding on grief, their understanding of trauma. You're not, I mean, <laughs> what works for me isn't going to work for you. And I think the reason why havening worked for me is because I have an understanding about the human mind. And I always thought the therapists were idiots. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> voice, obviously therapy didn't really work for me because I would, once I have an inclination that you're an idiot, I, I shut off. Right. Yeah, you shut down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're an idiot. You're not understanding me. So the Havening gave me an opportunity to tap into some of my gifts that I learned from my older sister where she couldn't communicate verbally. So I would pick up on nonverbal cues more than anything else. And that's yeah. why it had so much of, of an effect on me because I was able to not have to voice how I felt anymore. I was going through my own third out-of-body experience looking at my younger self. Yeah. And a lot of people, they say, say a lot of things about, about how I speak and how I have so much passion and how much, so much authority. Cause I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to my younger self. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who I, I'm really trying to reach. I, I, I'd love to dive a little bit into your story, but before we, we do sure. that is I just want to explain to people that, you know, when we talk about managing the trauma and grief in terms of loss, Mm-hmm. of something or someone we're not necessarily talking about the loss of a person yes it, it, it could be the loss of an emotional attachment so mm-hmm. I like to think of the four quadrants of well-being so we could lose that emotional attachment to somebody or emotional connection we could lose physical connection to somebody or something um so that you know that physical contact that we we would have had we can use lose the mental connection to someone or something yeah so that cognitive stimulation that we we would have had um and we can also lose a spiritual connection so that connection to our values our core values our beliefs what we're passionate mm. about in life what our purpose is in life what our identity is in life how we identify with ourselves we can grieve all of those things because we can experience losses in all of those areas um, and everybody will will experience it differently. And also often when you lose somebody that you really love, you could mm. lose all quadrants of, of, of what I've mentioned, emotional loss, physical loss, mental loss, that mental stimulus that you had and the spiritual loss because your identity 
mm-hmm. that is attached to that person. It is also loss and many episodes where people have talked about loss. So we're not we're not just talking about losing a person. We yeah. can also lose a piece of ourselves in that because mm-hmm. of those the losses that we experience. And it's the trauma of it happening. Uh, and I know that what's happened with uh, unfortunately you know the queen are passing mm. recently is it's taken people by surprise because they didn't necessarily and it took a lot of people by surprise because didn't necessarily understand the connection that mm-hmm. they had at an emotional level maybe at a physical level in terms of what she she did the actions that she was doing at a, 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 a mental level the cog cognitive stimulus that she gave right. us also at a, a spiritual level is her core values her beliefs and giving us a sense of purpose in life and a vision and and that spiritual connection that we we had um with her you know ha, has been lost for you know some of those people may may relate to and, and maybe all of them relate to but certainly in the context of my journey there were losses in all of those areas when I lost my father. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to understand if you would be willing to share your your journey and how you overcame the um, the or or managed with the the trauma and grief in, in the context of your journey. If you wouldn't mind sharing, sure. And I, I loved what you said there, and I, I hope the listeners appreciate the way that you broke that down for people because you know, yeah, you are absolutely correct. You're tapping into something. When what you are tapping into is uncertainty for a lot of people. Mm. And being uncertain causes fear. And you're tapping into fear and then fear, everything stems from anger or fear, everything, you know, and, and from, you know, just to kind of go into a little bit of my story, I mean, I've suffered loss and on a, on a, trauma in a lot of different types of ways. Um, a lot of it was, you know, some of it was even self-inflicted, you know, I'm putting myself in situations where I probably shouldn't have. You know, and sometimes when people end up predicting how they normally would feel because they're going back into what, how they would normally cope with situations, uh, how I would normally deal with certain situations growing up and dealing with traumatic experiences, I would go and hide. And how I would hide is because I knew I could protect myself. Mm -hmm. I thought I was protecting myself, but I was hurting myself. You know, when I went to the military, I didn't really want to go into the military, but I knew that I didn't want to live the life in Charleston that that was from the experiences and from people, my surroundings and society. And I'm glad that I did because I learned a lot about myself, Um, but that was my way of kind of survivor's guilt, you know, dealing with my sister's passing and not knowing how to deal with it. Um, cause I, you know, obviously you know, this from my story, um, my dad was there for my mom. Of course they were suffering loss of a child. Mm-hmm. That's on a, me being a father now understanding on how severe that is. That's something that no one will ever want to have to deal with. And then yeah. me being there for my younger sister, which couldn't really, she was in her adolescence. So she couldn't really understand what was happening. I understood. And I felt that I had to deal with it on my own. Mm. And there's no fault to my parents, you know, that mm. I felt like I had to deal with it on my own. And I think it's hard for children as well, isn't it? Because um, because sometimes depending on how a parent responds to mm-hmm. the circumstances, and it's hugely traumatic mm-hmm. uh, for, for many people, is a child does not want to layer on further trauma to the situation. 
um, right. be, be, because they're caught very aware as to how that could impact their parent, who who they've always seen mm -hmm. uh, as the protector. Or most of the time, parents are seen as a protector, and that you know the person that the provider, um, and you don't want to upset the apple cart and make it any worse. Yes. So it's completely understandable in the context of your experience that you that that you felt you had to deal with it yourself because you would potentially was that fear factor which you mentioned mm. of what could happen if you didn't. Right. And in, in all contexts, I mean, kind of going through it. Um, avoidance was my way yeah and what you like i mentioned before what you don't deal with will end up finding you yeah and the one you know obviously me having a child and when the day she was born it's the first time i cried of joy before you know obviously when my sister was alive yeah so and that kind of like if you, that goes into a whole different rabbit hole of not experiencing joy and acceptance and accepting i couldn't accept things like if someone buy me a gift or something, I just couldn't accept even a compliment because I didn't feel worthy enough to accept it. You know what wow. I mean? And that's a deep, that's a deep cut. And in, in, it takes a lot of courage to go deep inside of yourself. And I feel that's why I'm saying that I feel like it was supposed to happen of me going through this type of journey and discovering more about myself. I, I, if I had the family that I have and they were accessible to me, then I probably would have lean on them and then not have to do it myself mm -hmm. because you know you mentioned getting to overcoming you can overcome a moment <laughs> i just got to make it to the next day right i got to make it to the next day i got to make it to this part but it's like but you can't just be in your own head and trying to project something into a future you have to be willing enough to receive i mean kind of like the fear i wouldn't say fear but the obviously grieving some of the relationships that you've had, it could, you know, romantic relationships or personal relationships or whatever type of ship, right? We talked a lot about ships, but I feel like I, I've never showed my true self in relationships. I was, it was the mirror of what I thought they wanted me to be. Mm. And you lose yourself. And that loss, you end up losing yourself in relationships. I mean, show of hands, anybody has ever done that? Mm. You don't recognize yourself, you know? <laughs> um, I don't recognize myself now. Uh, because if you looked at back when I was obviously in, a, in my previous relationship, I was probably 70 pounds heavier. I don't, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I was hiding. And I think I, I wanted to. I want to dive into that just a little bit. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but sure. you know the co the concept of you know accepting who you are and mm -hmm. and and maybe trying to be who you're not, trying to project an image that isn't mm -hmm. you onto a relationship. Um, what happens is the emotions that we're actually experiencing we have suppressed, yeah, and our body keeps score, you know, mm -hmm. and and and. And when we don't look at what's happening uh, outside in our ship, um, we take on water <laughs> because the waves keep crashing in. Um, those emotions are still happening um, and we take on the water of those emotions. So what often happens, certainly in your case and many for many other people, is, is we hold on to those emotions, but we yeah. hold on to them in the context of weight. Even somatic markers. 
Yeah. Um, my trainer at Naskatoon, shout out to her, love her to death. Um, she's really helped me on, which I think she's pretty much, I mean, people say that she's a fitness coach and all this stuff, but she's not, she's a self-care advocate. And I, and some of the things that she helps her, you know, so many people with is learning how to truly love yourself. Yeah. And she was, I was standing up and doing some type of exercise. So she, I had to learn a whole different way of working out. I mean, I boxed growing up, you know, all my whole life and even boxed in the military and I've never been overweight before. Yeah. So I had to learn a whole different way of working out. So that's what she's helped me with. But I was standing there and she was doing some type of flexibility thing. And I had a somatic marker on my right shoulder. It was tilted. It was like I was carrying the world on my shoulders. Yeah. And when you start removing certain type of um, resistance or trying to resist, just kind of let it be. I started when I started losing, it, it just all fell off of me because I started mentally getting better. Yeah. And going through that process. Obviously, I wouldn't, I'm not the kind of, I'm, I will be bleeding in a ditch somewhere and never ask for help. That was the previous me, right? No one will ever know. I would, I, I even, even with the, how I would introduce myself to people like, well, how are you? I'm always good. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm not always good. I'm not, always, Les Brown's one of my favorite, actually he is my favorite motivational speaker. He talks about yeah, I love know, Les highly, highly favored. Yeah. What is that? Highly favored or is that under favored or whatever, however he <laughs> says it. Um, but um, predictable, right? And people are normally predicting certain things because they're just wanting to feel something. They know yeah. that they're going to feel this because it history is proven. And that's where I see a lot of people are, are even in relationships. They end up dating the same person over and over and over. It's, it's a never ending habitual cycle, dysfunctional cycle. Yeah. And, it, and that's the person they were attracted to. I mean, even I went back and I had to, re, you know, obviously re- anchor certain emotions with certain experiences in certain places, because I don't, every time I go to this place, I would think of something. Yeah. It's important. I've even went back to the airport where I dropped my parents off and reliving or re-anchoring a different emotion to that. of not feeling like this the next time I go. Yeah. Yeah. Which Powerful. is huge. Mm, Which powerful. is huge. And I think it's really relatable in terms of the context that we're at now in the, you know, in the status of this country and, and also the world in terms of what so many people have been triggered. Yeah. The they don't understand what's happening. Yeah. hundred percent. Also because it's relatable to something that's happened to them. So, you know, for me, um, I, it, it's like losing a parent for me mm -hmm. because I lost my uh, father not, not too long ago and all of the emotions surrounding the loss of my dad and mm. what he represented at uh, an emotional level, at, at, at a physical level, his presence, uh, at a mental level, how he how he was really, and I didn't really learn a lot from, you know, I learned so much from following his passing that I didn't really understand how great he was at the time that he was right. alive. Isn't that, isn't that one of those, that's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I want to flip the questions on you. I don't want to do it to you because you know it'll end up happening. But when you know this is the third year, right? Of, yeah. And I loved how when even when you sent me a message and you, I was so happy that you sent me a message asking me to come on talking about this, especially what, how much he meant to you, right? And yeah. and and then the stuff that you discover. But when you get to about three years, and they say get easier, and the reason why I want to ask you this question because I know what my mom says, but um, does it get easier? for you every year or does it what when you i think it sometimes you would wouldn't you feel it just feel that time of the year coming up and knowing i don't that, know if it gets easier no 
okay. don't know if it does. And I know people who've lost loved ones where it get it feel you know as time goes by it can get harder mm. because yeah. because they they lose they are losing the memory. You know that that time stretches, doesn't it? And so yeah. they feel more and more distant from the person that they loved. Um, I don't know if it gets easier. Um, I think my reflection changes. So I, oh. I become, I'm very great. I mean, this show wouldn't be here uh, if it wasn't for my dad, actually. Um, so I think, I think I've just become more grateful mm. um, for, for what he has done. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I know I can feel myself welling up talking about it because I know, you know and I, I know it's an uh, uncomfortable hard, situation. You know? Yes, yeah, even when you're doing it, I'm havening for you. you know? <laughs> and, and I was havening under the under the screen because it's really hard to talk about it, and that, you know, and that's okay. And uh, you know, when I first lost my, you know, when I first lost my dad, um, I could I could remember you know like it was yesterday when I got the phone call from my mum um mm. and driving to her house um I I was not in any rush I guess because I just knew there was no yeah. need to rush um and then uh being there I don't want to go into too much detail because I know it was to sure. trigger so many people who, who are listening to this but um, I was there when they when they turned his his life support off, and it was incredibly uh, difficult for me um, that those moments that happened after that, because it all happened at home. Mm. So you have to deal with the aftermath of all of that um, right. in your own home. So all of the memories that you had that were really keep good, flooding back, yeah, keep flooding. Well, they're not the good ones, but now you've got trauma layered in the rooms where the good memories were so you, so one of the great things um you know that i discovered through the aim and clothes they told me to you know learn about havening and i was never really a person that was interested in cognitive behavioral therapy um just because i don't want to relive and strengthen the neural networks in my mind that ultimately i want to kind of take away yeah uh, by talking about it but um Havening was really brilliant for me in the context of that traumatic experience of, uh, you know, the moment that I lost my dad and all the whole, all of the, the sort of messiness of the trauma that was wrapped around it, because it took away the emotional charge. And you can see I can I can talk about it. I can right. probably tell you it in detail because I specifically haven that traumatic experience mm. um, around that the day of the loss. But of course, I still have the grief. So there's two different things is first is the trauma associated with that day. And I was very fortunate to help my mum who who had a different experience. Yeah. You know, he witnessed the first issue. My dad died of a heart attack at home and hit his head as he fell. Um, so she had a very different experience to me, but we also had common experience and mm. um, becoming a practitioner um a havening practitioner i was able to help her unchain her pain right. without layering pain on me by her talking about it that's massive that's so it, massive to let go and and i and i think that's what's so important is that you know we've 
traditional approaches to dealing with trauma has been tell me about it Mm. and often that is the absolute last thing anybody wants to do because the physical you you sometimes you physically just want to be sick (laughs) that's what it feels like yeah because it's so it's so traumatic and you hold the trauma in your body you know we cry because uh, we're releasing the cortisol and the, the stress hormones that uh, uh, arise as a consequence of our, our amygdala being activated and the emotional centers in our brain being activated. And it's important we cry because we're letting out the wave of emotion. <laughs> right. Well, allowing people to have their emotional, you know, experience. Some of us, you know, depending on what you do for a living or where you are in life. I mean, I know when I would try to go get help and every time I would try to communicate that I needed help, they just wanted to give me a damn pill. Yeah. I don't know how I got these pills ain't going to help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But just put a Band-Aid on a problem or a gunshot. But it's like me. saying you can't, you know, I like to say you can't drug yourself out of a bad diet, but you can't drug yourself out of a bad relationship. No. And that relationship includes the one that you have with yourself. Right. Well, I mean, and then, you know, you start grieving, you know, and you start looking and you can know, loss of time, how much time I lost through the years of going through a growing through something and choosing growth. That's a whole other situation. And then that's what you chose, Dr. Ruth. And it's, you need to be applauded for this. You chose, how can I learn something from this? How can I help more people? Mm from me going through this experience yeah. and that shifted your life because you you were had the courage to make that shift earlier than a lot of people probably would yeah. you know so i mean you deserve a pat on the back and be applauded for that and i'm sure you Thank know you. you're welcome because overcoming and trying to deal with these type of waters it's so scary yeah, and, even and like it's you, uncharted, isn't it? You know, for many yeah. of us, right? And I feel like some uncharted waters. I, my, my father and I, and I mentioned, it, I'm not going to project this on in, into the call, but it's important. The first time he told me that he was really proud of me was going through my situation because this would have killed me. Mm. Like I, because I look at you differently now, you know. And he goes, "You should be proud of yourself." Yeah, that's and, amazing. And that's when you start, and that's, that's, you know, your father, right? So my dad was not a man of a lot of words, so <laughs> it's difficult, <laughs> right? Um, I'm, I'm obviously a little bit more chatty than he is, but um, but going through that type of situation and re-anchoring those type of memories with positive reinforcements, it's so hard because yeah. sometimes people would much rather keep of a negative memory or um a traumatic experience there to feel something. Yeah. Right. So, and they don't want to lose that feeling. Or lose the emotion that yes, relates to it's the pre- reminder it's predictable. of that <laughs> Yes. It's predictable and not wanting to talk about things, but what, you know, what's not okay is avoiding the fact that you're not, is that you're not okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just because, and, I, and that's one, something that I've learned even more, um, through this could, you know, how I feel is different than how you feel about certain situations. And that's okay. Yeah. Because we're all different. 
Right. <laughs> and, and accepting the fact that you're going to agree to disagree in, in a lot of different types of ways. There's just information that I might have learned and something that I can't even communicate to you in a verbal level that I know with a strong conviction that you haven't experienced yet. So what it doesn't make me, you know, obviously better than you or vice versa. Right. So yeah. if just because you go through a situation and, and people get mad or people, they're just going, they're having a human experience. Yeah. And I think allow that's them really to hold important. space. Yeah. Allow them to hold space and to be able to express themselves. Yeah. Do you know, I think that's really important because grief, there's no timeline on grief. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to suddenly, you know, within a year, you'll suddenly be over it mm. because it's enduring for, yeah. for your life. And, and it goes in waves in peaks and troughs. You know, some days you could be great and everything is, you know, you're not thinking about the person um, and, and life is fine and dandy. And mm. then on other days, you know, such as we've had recently, you know, I've been crying a lot because, because of the circumstances here in the UK because I, I miss, I understand the loss and it's triggered the loss of my right. father. Uh, and that's okay. You know, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. It, it's, it, you know, we all deal with it in a, in a very different way. But the, but the time to heal from grief and, and, and thinking about grief in the context mm -hmm. of a wound, because you are hurt, it hurts, mm -hmm. is, is as soon as possible after the event. And, and what we often find, and certainly for me, um, in the context of my, my dad's experiences, I had to put a lot of my energy into supporting my mum because she was super traumatized by it and and the grief was extreme for my mum mm. and so I had to, and, and I mentioned this to my my siblings as I kind of had to put my grief on hold oh wow and it was really hard because I had to be there for my mum mm. uh, and focus on helping her navigate through grief and it wasn't really you know I was pretty much crying every day um, but I knew I had to show up and be strong Mm -hmm. um for my mom um and she she was you know we all go through grief very differently and it was for me really hard and i'm sure it, it is for some other people who've been in similar experiences because often when you lose a parent and there is another parent present mm -hmm. a lot of people and it was for me go, I'm so sorry, and they talk to your parent that's next to you, I'm so sorry for the loss of your husband. Right. Uh, like you're never there and that you've ne not lost your dad. Yeah, I'm like... Uh, and you're like, yeah. well, I've lost my dad and I knew him all my life. Mm. Um, but people just focus on, yes. you know, the loss of... Uh, and they'll do it and, and they'll do it for and they'll do it just for a little while like i mean i don't know how it is in in in, in your household but i know that in my culture um uh, being italian like what what we would do is we would they would flood you with food the okay. family with food you know what i mean putting yeah. stuff in a freezer or, or, and then and then after that happens okay back to normal you don't yeah. realize that how quickly people will quickly people will forget forget yeah really do yeah and yeah. you, if you can get caught into that type of way of thinking about it, I mean, and I'm the ones that are really going to be grieving and the ones that are really going to be hurting and the ones that have the most affection for you, you know, and yeah. 
I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be championed. You know, I want to be you know, talked about in a certain way. So if you're living life and you're understanding, you know, how they lived and how they went about life. I mean, some people, when they get to a certain spot and granted for you, your dad was a, a wonderful person, but think about also grieving if, if, if your parent was a piece of, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. You still have really to grieve though. Grieve you still have to grieve. So, and it's, it's really easy to think about grief and, and, and trauma, but what if they're grieving in, in your, and you suffered a traumatic experience from someone that was a, wasn't good at all, but you're still grieving. Yeah. You know, you still have to go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then obviously getting, hopefully if you're lucky and you, and you go through the pain acceptance. And, and, and you know, I just want to draw on that is because you could be grieving the loss of not having the attachment. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, or even even getting to the point where you regret. Like, yeah, yeah. I wish I, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda bullshit again. So now you're in a point of view conversation in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And and it and you know, depending on your circumstances will depend on the 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 charge, because we yeah. talked initially, didn't we, that emotions have energy. So you could have a you know a fairly uh limited a charge associated with that emotion or, or it could be enormous level of charge mm. depending on your past experiences and and your level of attachment or connection um to what you have lost and right. the stronger the connection to what you had uh the m more likely the stronger the emotion to to the loss mm -hmm. that's um, it that's that's a whole other, like a whole other ball field, right? For people mm -hmm. to I hope really people to understand. And what we're trying to talk about is very difficult to talk about, but the more that we talk about it, it makes things easier. Yeah. For those who can understand, because as we're talking right now, someone's tuning in and listening, and they're imagining their situations. Yeah, and I think on you know when people people listening is there's two aspects to this is one is the trauma of the situation, and the second one is the grief mm. associated with the change in the situation. And you know we can talk about COVID. There's so much trauma and grief wrapped into a complete. You know we had a point in time where life was this, and now we're in a or or this as it were. And now we're at a point in time where 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 life is this, and it's mm. completely different. And right. um, a lot of people have been traumatized by the the event mm -hmm. uh, uh, or events, depending on how their family has been affected. And then they are grieving uh, the loss that they had um, going forward and having to find a new identity mm -hmm. uh, because their identities had to shift. And some people may find it really hard to find that new identity mm -hmm. um uh well sometimes you're not going to be able in, in, in seeking something or the new identity or, or even understanding it's going to come from your raising your awareness mm -hmm. if you're not raising your awareness around you and understanding what you know, goes back to the first thing i said truth and illusion i didn't know how yeah. i would i didn't predict that i would say that but that's how i felt at that moment it's understanding mm -hmm. what is true what is an illusion like why do i learn why where did i learn this information Mm. why do i feel why is my go-to this i mean you start to understand who you're not it was what led me to understanding discovering who i was yeah who i and really so, was 
Yeah, and you might have to peel back the onion layers to find out who you who you know who what's at the core of you, mm-hmm. because you may have built up lots of layers that isn't actually you. Right. You know, it's like putting loads of coats on, isn't it? Right. <laughs> to disguise yeah. yourself and actually not taking the time to to strip it back and look mm-hmm. back at the true your true self. Right. Well, sometimes and the scars that sit beneath all of those layers. Right. I was actually um, talking to someone. It was about two weeks ago, and I can't remember the talk. They shared it with me, and I have to share the clip. But the guy was talking about sometimes when people are, are wanting a certain type of relationship in life, right? Spouse, whatever, right? Romantic relationship. They've been running their whole lives. They're not ghosting you. They're not doing. They're they're running away. And when they when they get exposed, fake gets exposed to real. They tend to run. You know, and I mean, I'm speaking to those out there that are holding up different versions of themselves and it's not a true authentic version, those masks will drop. People don't do things once. You just got to pay attention to patterns, right? Yeah. They don't do things just once. Okay. It's a pattern. And when you start understanding those patterns and then also the mechanisms and some of the motives around that not saying you can manipulate but you start to have to manipulate your own even a perception of your own reality and you start thinking you're crazy i hope this makes sense yeah that's what i started looking at certain situations through different lens and going that's that that makes more sense now yeah and do you know what was really helpful on that in terms of looking at through different lenses to write it all down yeah it is to get it out of your head and onto paper uh, and then you yeah. can you you can look at it from a much more subjective way. There's loads of studies around this, but it is you know especially in emotions in a context mm-hmm. of emotion, um, and you know you mentioned the why. So a- a- every night I write down why you know what are my emotions, and then I get curious with them, not furious. Why am I feeling that way? So I learn more about myself. What's the trigger of the emotion? Where did it come from? Is it come from something that's happened today? Is it has it been amplified by a trigger from the past? Uh, and be okay with them because every emotion is valid. It's just a signal that's mm-hmm. telling you to move towards something or or move away from something. And so mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that that you know anger is a great emotion because mm-hmm. we can use anger to propel us forward. It's yes. a phenomenal amount. It's incredibly powerful, but we can also use it against ourselves mm-hmm. and get angry on ourselves rather than use it for 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 the greater good of us uh, 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 and the people that we connect with. So, mm-hmm. oh, so, man, so important. That's so powerful what you said, and using anger as fuel. You know, getting being angry. It's a, a lot of people. They try to say that you know you. You're an angry person, you're expressing, you know, just the way that you're receiving it isn't the way that you want to receive something, right? So, but using your anger and then turning that into recyclable energy, that's the ticket. Because people, they either get motivated by pain or pleasure. Mm-hmm. But they want to maybe say, oh, I get motivated off of pain or I want to be motivated off of pleasure. It might change for you, but knowing your true self and then tapping into that button where when you when chaos is happening are you going to be willing enough to stand up for yourself and most people are suffering maybe the loss of their true identity and loss of their themselves 
and control, but they, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to live the life that I deserve, feel that I deserve to live? Mm. Or, do, or am I going to do what everyone else is telling me to do? And yeah. it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. What would you say, Chris, this show is all about brain health and chaining your pain. What would you say was the, the top tips from your perspective in how you managed to, to deal with the trauma and maybe separately the grief of the experiences you, you've been through? What, what have been the most useful things for you, firstly, from a trauma perspective to help you work through it? Mm. That's a powerful question. In terms of my experiences, I believe if I can share any tip with someone is learning or addressing the problems at hand and not running away from it. Mm-hmm. These are opportunities. Like when I share things with people and my experiences and maybe it could be business, it could be whatever. Right. And people always want to ask, I'm like, listen, you're going to have to walk that for yourself. I'm just a finger pointing down the trail. But what you de- what you don't deal with and what you avoid will find you. Mm. And it's going to find you in a moment. In the moments that, that are going to be so critical for you. It is the t- deciding factors of you have pivotal moments in your life before this and after this. And that's where it's going to find you. Mm. And, and that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And what would you say in terms of... He- uh, working through the grief process, what would be your piece of advice for people struggling with grief? I would say it's okay to reach out to people that you want help from, but it's better to reach out to people that sometimes you don't feel that's going to help you. Because think about this right now for a second. For those who are really struggling and dealing with it, you don't want to feel guilty about dumping that onto somebody you care about. And I know that for myself, they don't they don't deserve to for me to dump my baggage onto them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So reaching out to people like yourself that are on went similar paths and they're really here to inspire those to address what people don't want to address. And I think that being open to try to look at different ways of coping and overcoming your situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And, you know, just in terms of my experience, I think, you know, just to acknowledge that it's a process and it, Mm. it, you know, when you're going through grief, it, it will be different for you every day and whatever mm. the day presents, that's okay. But if you're grieving the loss of something is to focus on the positives that you've had. Mm-hmm. Um, that was super helpful at the beginning um, is, is to, is to draw on the positive memories mm-hmm. to, to work through that initial stage of grief and also to be grateful for what you have in the day. That. Um, so, so one of the most profound things I did with my mum was we would reflect on when I was driving her back home each day. Is we reflect on the positives <laughs> of that day. What what made today great? Um, because we can get so consumed mm-hmm. 
mm. by it that we think life is too difficult to carry on with. Right. But when we look at the rays of hope and the rays of light that happen in that day, mm-hmm. um, is to grasp them, hold on to them really tightly, and know that every day there is always hope um, mm. for a better day, even if you have a difficult day. Because, you know, Amy Kardashian, who came on my show, I love how she talks about hope is hope is having open possibilities every day. Mm-hmm. And so there is every day there is always hope because you mm. always have an open possibility. There's always something that you can do that's within your control to do to to help you through it. And if you feel that you can't is, as you, you mentioned, Chris, is to reach out to people and don't be afraid to because mm-hmm. someone will have walked the path before you uh, mm-hmm. and will be able to guide you and show, and show you the way. Right. Um, God, that was so powerful the way that you said that. Um, and I love that you're the way that you look at it and just, just starting with gratitude. And what you focus on will end up what you, what you end up manifesting. I'm big on this. Mm-hmm. And if I focus on all the negative, the only thing I'm going to see is negative. But I love that the way that you're looking. Okay, let's talk about the good experiences. And then you look at those areas of opportunity. And those areas of opportunity are there for everybody to focus on. And this is a very difficult type of topic for, for those who are tuning into this. But if you reach out to anybody yeah. and try to share your experience. And, and then and the, more, the more that I feel like I've, I've, I'm helped by somebody directly or indirectly is the more that I'll help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that people share because, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. we feel that we are alone in, in, in the trauma or in the grief that we're experiencing. But the more people share their stories and feel they're able to, the more people learn that they really are are not alone and somebody is there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know you mentioned Les Brown, didn't you, is, mm-hmm. uh, who's an amazing, phenomenal motivational speaker and one i love one of his quotes is ask for help not because you feel weak but ask for help so that you may remain strong so with that in mind chris how can people get hold of you and um, mm-hmm. reach out to you for any support that they need right i'm, I'm pretty easy i'm um, just go to winjet.com um slash uh, chris ross there we go to any type of social channels lord chris ross um <laughs> it's kind of funny every time i say it that way um but yeah i'm really easy to get in touch with um, just find me on winjet.com and join the community and you're able to discuss in all kinds of different things. We have the video calls, audio calls. There's another component, obviously, inside of Winjet that we've actually built with the apps. It's going to be so much powerful. So people, giving people a tool to polarize our message and connect with those who they never thought they would ever connect with. So yeah. it's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, thank you, Chris, so much for your time. And, you know, we know we talked about Havening. If you if you need to reach out to me in terms of support to get help from unchaining your pain, from the trauma that you may experience or the grief, and um, all the links to that are below. Chris, thank you so much pleasure's um, for your time coming on this show. It's been an absolute pleasure, as it always is. Mm-hmm. And remember, everybody, this show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain. You're not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. And Chris has been wonderful here to show us how we can effectively, more effectively manage our trauma and grief. Thank you, Chris. Uh, It was a pleasure. It's all mine. Thank you again.